Hello everyone, this is Trey Borden, and welcome to this episode of What We Gonna Do. Hi Britta, thank you so Hi, much Trey for... Hi Borden! <laughs> yeah, it's good to see your lovely face. Um, thank you for agreeing to appear on this episode of What We Gonna Do. And, you. you know, this has been a really interesting time, obviously, as we pivoted to... Um, focusing on this kind of racial reawakening. And it's an awakening not just about kind of black people, it's a lot about kind of the history of this country and like the kind of reckoning of like what we've done and who we are. And that's the only way we're gonna ever even glimpse a brighter future is if we kind of cop to what has occurred. And I think that um, as we've seen this kind of new term emerge, um, BIPOC, which is, you know, it's hard to keep up with all the acronyms, you know? But what's interesting about that term is that it does separate and center kind of black and indigenous people. And I think that what's been really interesting is to kind of see that all of these struggles are linked. Um, And we know we spoke before, it's not about the oppression Olympics, but if there is a group in this country that can say, you know, we, we understand and, and our struggle in terms of like how we've been treated in this country uh, is comparable, if not worse, uh, is the indigenous populations here. And I think that that's also, it's been much more obscured in some way too, like than the black struggle has. And so I, I really wanted to talk with you about kind of like as an indigenous leader, as someone who kind of sees and knows this history, kind of how you're interpreting this movement, how these things are linked together uh, and kind of like what way forward and also just illuminating all the stuff that we don't even know, like all these holidays, all of these heroes, all of these monuments, like it's like we've just scratched the surface of the truth. So anyways, uh, Britta, please just give a brief introduction after that introduction, which is all over the place, (laughs) kind of give us a little bit of a introduction as to who you are um, and kind of like what your role is in the community. Sure. So uh, my name is Britta Guerrero. I am the CEO at the Sacramento Native American Health Center. Um, I am a member of the San Carlos Apache tribe, so I'm not originally from California, but I'm blessed to live and work here. I've been working in the Indian community for um, 13-ish years. Um, I'm from an Indian community. Uh, These these are my folks. This is what I do. This is my life. Um, This is how I move in the world. So I think I can speak to the Indian experience. I can't speak for all Indians. I know everybody's going to say like, my Indian friend said that's not true and mascots don't bother her and you're wrong and I'm not going to argue, but it bothers me. And so I'm sure. coming and we're going to get into my, that. <laughs> my perspective is belongs to me. I don't speak for all Indian people, um, but I uh, have served on a number of nonprofits. I um, am very active in the community. I'm very outspoken for Native people, um, for women of color in leadership. And I really feel like there's so much space for us to build each other up. So I try to be my best intersectional self, um, but also stay very true to who I am. Sure. Oh, I appreciate that. And you are, I can vouch for your spokenness and effectiveness. I love it. Uh, what a time to be alive. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, actually, well, let's start here. And this seems like a little bit superficial, but I, I A, for my own kind of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed you using the term Indian, which I think a lot of us who are 
don't identify as, you know, First Nation or Native or Indigenous? Like, what, what is the kind of spectrum of terminology that is kind of in and out of vogue or in and out of, like, appropriateness? So, And is that controversial I, within the community? It's super controversial within the community. So this also speaks to my generation. So my generation, I grew up as an Indian person. Um, mm. I identified as an Indian person. That's how we were referred to. And then as I got a little bit older, I started to use the term American Indian. And so we would say we're American Indian. And then through evolution, people started to say, we're not Indian at all, actually. And so um, losing that language has been difficult even for me because I never associated as a Native American. And so now we're talking about indigenous and there's all these labels, um, but we're actually older than America. So having American uh, tied to my um, identity is a little bit sour to take. So um, (laughs) so I'm older than America. And so I (laughs) like to refer to um, my indigenous self, but I still um, grew up how I grew up. And so I still say Indian and I know not everybody loves it and I'm evolving, but if you love it, I love it. I just want to make sure I'm not, you know, stepping on any toes. Um, so like where to begin even, I mean, I think that like, I I, I kind of want to start with like the history part of it, but I I actually think we'll jump right into, well, I want to get back to that, but like, how are you after? So, I mean, even when I've been alive, like thinking about as we're, as we're talking about aunt Jemima and uncle Ben, and all these things. Meanwhile, we've still got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Indians and the Redskins and all this kind of stuff. And you see the kind of momentum that black people are, you know, finally somehow getting. Like, how does it feel to be, like, in the context of your guys' continued struggle, like, how is it, have you guys heartened by this? Is it, is there anything that you feel like has been overlooked kind of in, with our movement? Like, kind of just, how are you feeling right now? Well, um... I think I'm so happy for you all. Um, The black community deserves the recognition and the attention that they haven't received um, for so long. And there's been so much suffering. And um, I feel like when you center the most vulnerable, which are your folks and, and my folks, um, what is it? High tide raises all ships. Like if you're winning, we're winning. Like if you're getting attention, we're going to get attention. But how do we make that effective to both of our struggle? So I think the best that I can do is to help lift up black voices, help be present around black issues and make sure that I represent my community in the best way so that when I say, hey, y'all, I need you, that people show up for me in the same way in my community. And I've seen that actually happening. So it's an amazing time to be um, part of a, uh, it's not a movement. It's, a, uh, I would like to kind of think of a dismantling of a system. And we have to be part of that dismantlement. And so if we're not there, for each other, um, like where's the black voice in the room? Where's the native voice in the room? Why are we not you know, hearing from this community? Like, I gotta watch out for you and I expect y'all to do that for me. 
Absolutely. And I think that, you know, although like the specifics might differ, like the amount of inhumanity, the amount of genocide and rape and, and kind of theft and erasure uh, is felt so deeply in both communities that like on the face of it, there's a lot of difference, but not really. And so I think that like even thinking of them as two different movements might even not be helpful because I think it's like the same sort of energy the same sort of accountability and like you said, dismantling that needs to happen um, needs to, needs to kind of, uh, there needs to be recognition of what's happened to both of our communities. And we, and this country was literally built on the backs of black and indigenous people first. I'm not saying no one else has been oppressed, of course, but without the indigenous struggle and without black people, this country would not be America, you know? Yes, I agree. So I guess what I would, um, I think what's important, I think just to acknowledge is that black people are tribal people. You come from a tribal system. And so I think there's a a detachment that's happened purposefully to um, disassociate yourselves with the tribal centric nature of who you are and that's been done purposefully in the same way that it's been done to us so we have moved from this space of looking out for our tribe and collective responsibility for one another to this i'm gonna get mine type uh selfish american mentality (laughs) yeah and it's that it's that uh eurocentric trash It's that colonial construct that's so mediocre. It's so blah. Um, This is the best we can do, really? I mean, the container is so rigid, and we have so much opportunity for fabulousness, and we settle for this really mediocre construct, and it disappoints me daily. (laughs) (laughs) Tell it. I am so disappointed. And so I feel like if we go back to this collective responsibility where everyone has value and everyone has a purpose, we win. And we have been devalued so much. And we have even in our own minds, we've colonialized our our own minds through this low self-esteem because we can't compare to western beauty or generational wealth or and we are comparing ourselves with a measure that's not meant for us like i don't even belong in that box like bye no take it uh, (laughs) take keep it no no (laughs) please and so i i just feel like we've really got to get back to that tribal and people use tribalism in a negative way and they're wrong Um, But this tribal caring for each one another and all having a significant contribution to make. And because you don't go to college or because you're not a lawyer, it doesn't mean you're not a leader. And so because you're not a politician, you're not a leader. It's like, we're all leaders. We all have. You can be a politician and not be a leader. (laughs) Oh, locally, nationally, globally. (laughs) We don't even have to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, Um, you can excel within their construct and be completely ineffective 
or you can stay outside of their system and be super effective. It's just kind of choose your own adventure. You know, and I think that like, there's so much wisdom in that. And I think that like, we see the results. Look at what we're dealing with. Look how ill-equipped we are to, to grapple with truth and, and like real problems and human mm -hmm. dignity. We are, we've been outstripped by a virus because of like ego mostly and because of the, a system that's only successful with exploitation of vulnerable people. And like, <clears throat> you know, the proof is in the pudding. If it was really working, we wouldn't be having this, you know, ridiculously lackluster to say the absolute least result. Um, and so I think that like, I think there's more and more people are kind of tuning into, you know, what are other ways? And like the original ways on this land were some of the healthiest and most community driven and most kind of careful um, traditions that existed. And, you know, we've, we've done our best to eliminate and hide those. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that like what might be helpful is to kind of set the stage a little bit for like how we got here. Um, I think most people are aware. I mean, Pocahontas is not the whole story, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure. Obviously, we can't get into all of it. But like, how would you kind of frame the like history of how indigenous people have been treated and kind of like erased over time till, you know, we get to this point where all we recognize is um, visible leaders like yourself or like, you know, casinos and reservations being what most people associate Native Americans with, which is like, 0.01% of what's gone down, you know? So um, I would go back, if we were going to talk about history, to Christopher Columbus, who actually was kind of a third place loser um, behind uh, Leif Erikson and someone else. It'll come. Anyway, uh, you don't get a third place medal. Like, you didn't win. And so this um, westernized construct of a maiden voyage and a sailor who um, discovered America actually by accident because he wasn't a great sailor, who all of his men died and it's a terrible tragedy. And then indigenous people came to save the day and um, then they killed us all. So it's like, that's the story. Like here we are coming from a place of compassion and kindness because in our communities, we have always cared for each other. And so here we see people struggling and starving and they're kind of the third place losers and we know they're not going to make it. And we teach them and in turn, they betray us. And I think that is the legacy of colonization. I mean, like to the bone of this country. <laughs> like we tried to do the right thing and y'all, you know, couldn't, couldn't wait to fuck us over and you haven't yeah. stopped. And we can't help that we are so amazing to look at that. Of course they were like, oh my God, they must be so, uh, they're so sexy. We just can't help ourselves. Um, and so it's the rape and the pillage and the Pocahontas story. Um, Pocahontas was a 12-year-old child, the actual first victim of human trafficking that's been documented in the indigenous world. So, no, she didn't fall in love with some super old, stinky white man. No, which there are some beautiful white men, I'm Sorry, not saying. Disney. He just happens to be a stinky one. 
a 12 year old child is not going to fall in love with a 45 year old man. That's not how it happens. So again, we glorify the Pocahontas story as though she had compassion and fell in love. No, that, that's Stockholm syndrome. That's absolute tragedy and we're glorifying it like it's this hero story and no it isn't it's one of victimization and perpetration yeah i mean it's like sally hemmings <laughs> i'm sure she just loved her some thomas jefferson i mean maybe she did but <clears throat> it's hard to be an object that's <clears throat> owned by your the person you're in love with you know yeah um yeah. and i think it's like this mythology that is just so deep um mm -hmm in our bones is America. I mean, maybe not our bones, but the bones of this country. And it's so hard to unlearn it all. And I think it's not, it's, you know, partly it's these myths and kind of these erasures um, that have led to this, but it's also a lot of like actual laws and kind of structural robbery and exploitation. And like, what can you <clears throat> speak up to that? Like there's so, you mentioned the other day, like there's so many, you know, treaties that were signed. I mean, this is after years of genocide and exploitation that, you know, have still not been honored. Like kind of, how did America kind of cement this relationship? Well, um, we were in the way. And so we took a fancy walk to a new space and we decided to stay there. <laughs> so um, colonizers and colonization, um, when folks arrived, they decided that they wanted to live there. And so regardless that people were already there, they would kind of lay stake to a space that belonged to somebody else because we didn't own things in the same way. And so um, we didn't follow the same rules as Europeans. And um, I think we work... So you'll hear a lot of things like um, Indians were already fighting each other. Um, there were um, uh, aggressive tribes and, and yes, we were, but um, yesterday I was talking to somebody and they're like, uh, native people were cannibals. And I'm like, we, I wish we would have eaten you because that's some <laughs> bullshit. Really? Like, is that the best you can do because you're killing me? Um, but no, I mean, there are a lot of um, ways to be oppressive and racist. And when you refer to, well, what about black on black crime? Right, exactly. And what That's about, what like to me. yeah, what about tribes who are already killing each other? And maybe you guys weren't good fighters or good soldiers or whatever. We never really had to be in the same way. We didn't believe in wiping each other completely out. That's just not honorable. Um, and so um, part of that civilizing folks um, was to teach us honor. Uh, clearly, we didn't know what that meant. Um, so I, I guess the stories and the treaties, um, it's mostly built on, on lies. Uh, treaties are pieces of paper that Native leaders signed and expected the government to uphold those compacts. Um, what you're seeing right now or what you saw last week uh, in Mount Rushmore, uh, there was a treaty signed in 1849 that actually acknowledged the uh, Ogala Lakota uh, tribe um, 
that designated that space belonging to them. It belonged to the tribe. And then they figured out... It had belonged to them for as long as this space existed, you yeah. know? And so um, the monument, what is it called? Mount, Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. Um, it was a sacred space to the tribe. And it was beautiful. And it was a place that people went to pray. And um, so they found money in the Black Hills. And they were like, wait a minute. We're not going to acknowledge that treaty. And you don't have attorneys. And there are no laws to protect you. And since we make the rules, you can never win. We're going to take that sacred space. And we're going to carve our leaders' faces in it to remind you of your place, which is exactly what happens with statues and all of these glorifications of heroes who were actually murderous, rapists, horrible, um, the worst monsters. of the worst. Monsters. Monsters. I mean, like, where was that on Schoolhouse Rock? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Washington's a monster. Like, I mean, I needed that. Yeah. I needed well, that it's knowledge. All lies. It's all lies. And it I understand why people are devastated. Like all of the things I've been taught about my lineage and my heritage is a lie. And now I'm angry and I get it, but I didn't do that to you. Like y'all decided to tell the story, like until the lion learns to write, the story will always glorify the hunter. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Y'all wrote the stories You've been lying all this time, and now when we're calling you out on it, it's like, oh, no, that's not actually what happened. Um, actually, it is what happened. <laughs> and on some level, I feel like there, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know I'm no expert on psychology or kind of like anthropology even, but I feel like everyone on some level knows the lie, you know, because, it, because the truth doesn't hold up. Same as like black people are stupid and lazy and they don't work hard and like they're dangerous. It's like, yeah, that's why we're the best athletes. That's why you enslaved us to do all the hard work. That's why we take care of your children. If you thought we were monstrous, rapist idiots, we wouldn't be so useful, <laughs> you know? Same with the indigenous peoples. If like, there are these like hideous, cannibalizing, kind of like nothing, you know, to hold sacred people, like you wouldn't have had to work so hard to kind of crush their spirit and, and steal. If they didn't have anything you wanted, you wouldn't have wanted to steal so much shit. You know, so. Well, well within the, um, I think the construct of like the Declaration of Independence, where it actually calls us out specifically that all men are created equal unless we own you or you're a merciless Indian savage. And for the record, we were merciless because we had to be. That was a reaction to some bullshit. Go <laughs> <Right. laughs> start nothing, wouldn't be nothing should be in that declaration as well. Right. Um, well, and I think that like kind of bringing us closer to the present day, because I feel like one of the things that's kept, yeah. <clears throat> one of the things that, one of the things that black people have going for them is their visibility. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like you see black people, you know, I mean, very few black people are able to kind of like, you know, dilute their blackness to such an extent that they're actually able to pass. I mean, some black people say like, I got Indian in me, you know, I'm sure you've heard that. But I think that like with Native Americans, there was such a, 
there was such a kind of purposeful effort to dilute and rape such that even within those communities, you know, you end up looking much more European or much less Indian than you might mm -hmm. have. And I think that that's allowed, you know, the fact that we have Elizabeth Warren arguing about her Native American status is like indicative of kind of like how much we have uh, diluted and kind of erased that culture and those people. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of like, how, what, what are the efforts that are underway or, the, or kind of like, what are the struggles that you guys kind of still need to bring to more visibility that kind of have to do with maintaining your identity and visibility in this culture? Well, I think that was the construct. It was specific to make Native people um, invisible. So we deal with Indigenous invisibility. That is our struggle, just like you deal with anti-Blackness. So if we don't exist and we're mere fairy tales, then we can have sports teams named after ourselves because we're not human. And so um, if we're just historical people instead of people living in the present day, it doesn't hurt anything. And so what people forget is that indigenous people walk amongst you and because we don't wear buckskin and leather, we don't get recognized, um, it's frustrating. Um, but that was done on purpose. I mean, people, just to get back to the statue thing really quick. Um, we, can, we can stay there too if you yeah. want for a bit. No, <laughs> a I, just, I, think, I think that, um, you know, they're like, you're erasing our history. No, erasing history is knowing the name of Christopher Columbus, but not of whose tribe this land actually belongs to. So that's erasing history. So I, I feel like, the erasure piece for us started when there were actual um, federal laws to um, kill the Indian and save the man. So if we became westernized and we were taken off the reservation, um, then we could assimilate and we would be counted by our blood quantum and slowly the blood quantum would decrease and we would be gone. And that was the plan, was for them to exterminate us. There are still laws on the books to exterminate Indian people. And the best way to do that is to completely erase us from your um, understanding, from your visibility, from um, every possibility. We're just and literally like kind of breed, <clears throat> like breed the Indianness out of people. I mean, literally in some cases. And yeah. I think that that is, I mean, quite effective, unfortunately. Yeah. You know? But this is my face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't always work. <laughs> and so um, um, I think, so the, the black experience, um, and, I, and I, I don't know it, but I know that the descendants of the enslaved and the descendants of the colonized will rise up and will lead the change. And without us, there is no movement. Absolutely. And I think that that is what's becoming very clear. And I think mm -hmm. that like the depth of our experience with kind of the the trauma of this country's development mm -hmm. kind of puts us in the best position to a it makes us 
the least invested in make in keeping it the way it is. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what you're you're seeing so many people who are like, but it helps me to be the way it is. It's like, well, guess what, bitch? Like we're gonna burn this thing to the ground if that's what's <laughs> necessary to get it to a place where we can all kind of live and thrive the same. And that's the other thing. It's like. I mean, and and lucky for white people that like, you know, we are not looking for, I've heard a few people say this, like, you're lucky we're not looking for revenge. We are merely looking for space to exist and live and thrive. Um, And, you know, because revenge could be very justifiable, you know, (laughs) especially given the antics we're seeing right now. Mm -hmm. So y'all don't deserve forgiveness. Um, And so I think that like, well, and so what would you like to see happen? I mean, obviously I think it is meaningful, you know, to change Christopher Columbus Day to something that recognizes indigenous peoples. I don't know, I don't know how formal of an effort's underway for that. Mm-hmm. I know taking down these statues helps, but like those are just, those seem like very symbolic, if meaningful gestures, kind of like what do you want to see happen, uh, both in terms of kind of like having a bigger seat at the table when we talk about the future of America and also kind of becoming more part of this movement? Um. I think there's so many things that can happen. I think there's so much injustice that has happened. Um, it, that's not historical that deals with like the school to prison pipeline that continues redlining reservations. Um, the percentage of native American children that actually graduate from high school, that go to college representation. There's so many places in which we're absent. Um, there would have to be a concerted effort and there would have to be funding, Mm. money to invest in our communities with interest. Right. Uh, Go ahead. And what what is, so like obviously you're in charge of the Native American Health Center and you obviously are very, can you paint us a picture of like how dire or hopeful the situation is? Like what is like, the state of the indigenous population in, you know, at least California, but if you know more widely than that, kind of the, like, what is the situation? So um, I think the similarities between the native community and the black community are very similar. Um, The resiliency factors, um, the strength-based kind of connected families uh, structure is very strong. Um, our connection to our culture is very strong. Um, we know who we are, um, regardless of what anybody says or what piece of paper says how much Indian you are. Um, we need acknowledgement. We need to be included. We need um, a space. Uh, we need a safe space. I know everybody's talking really about it's time to heal, it's time to heal, everybody should be healing, let's heal. And um, we're not ready for that. Like we have to say, okay, now we're ready to heal Um, and not enough has been done. Like I thank you for the statues, like it's kind of whack. Yes, Redskins needs to change their name. Um, Yes, land acknowledgements need to happen. But those are such small, small things. We need to invest in Indian business. We need to invest in the Indian workforce. We need to invest in Indian employment opportunities. Um, We need to create 
education opportunities for Indigenous people, um, invest in economic development, tribal enterprise, like all of the opportunities that we didn't get for generations, um, we need to decide we're going to put investment there and then in however many years we agree to, we need to have the same political power and the same economic power uh, to even be in a space where we consider equality. And it's not just about equity. It's about representation and presence and being seen. I mean, there's just, there's so much more to that. It's so much more complex. Well, it sounds like a lot of the stuff we're asking for, you know, mm -hmm. it's like all that sounds like things we, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I think that these yeah. are not, you can't demand it for one group and not demand it for everyone who deserves it um, mm -hmm. and who needs it and who has been denied it. And so mm -hmm. I think that like, hopefully what we see as we, you know, kind of march forward um, is more, kind of your visibility in our movement and vice versa, or a kind of blending of these movements. Like mm -hmm. you literally can't talk about America and injustice and leave out native peoples any more than you can leave out, you know, black people. And, you know, and there's other groups too. And I think that like, I don't think it needs to be hierarchical. Like it can just be like, look, like here's who is owed. Here's who is, has been denied. And like, let's just reckon with that. And like kind of, it seems so insurmountable, mm -hmm. but I think that like it's only possible kind of like with like linked arms, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and like, is that sentiment felt widely in the community? I mean, obviously you don't speak for everyone, but you know, and obviously all these communities have degrees of anti-blackness, mm -hmm. um, but kind of like, is there any sort of consensus and kind of like, what are people saying to themselves when like they're looking at the news and looking at these struggles um, that we might not expect? Um. I think there's some really deep healing that needs to happen uh, between the black community and the indigenous community. I think we've been forced to fight over the scraps for so long that we have created enemies out of each other. And that goes for the Latino community, Latinx community, uh, Asian communities. We have fought over the scraps for so long that we have kind of fed into the division that they have created for us. And so I think we really need to do some healing together and we need to decide that that's what we're committed to doing and lifting each other up. Um, because nobody's going to do that for us. Nobody. Uh, and so until we start doing it for each other, um, it won't happen. And so how do we commit to each other and say, Hey, I'll show up for you. You show up for me. And I think we've been seeing that with the um, murder of Vanessa Gillian. Mm -hmm. um, she was the soldier, the Latinx soldier who was murdered recently in the military. Like black community has showed up for her. Um, indigenous community has showed up and it's a, a call to black and brown unity. And I think this is the most progress I've seen in that direction. But we also have to deal with anti-blackness. I mean, we have black Indians. It's been going on forever and ever. I mean, we helped slaves to escape. It's, this has always happened. We've always cared for each other. But only through focused, targeted um, 
division has this happened where of course we can be better than somebody and not always be the worst. And now that we are starting to reclaim our identities and see so much beauty in who we are and not being ashamed of who we are, um, can we actually say, Hey, there's enough space and there's enough room for you. Like, let's do this together. And matter of fact, your skin is amazing and beautiful. And I appreciate your fucking beauty. (laughs) Right. Like walk with me, make me more beautiful. (laughs) Well, and it's, it's interesting because I feel like even growing up in Sacramento, like, you know, we were, I mean, we had a, a Mayan dance teacher and we had all these other opportunities to kind of learn about other cultures throughout. Mm-hmm. But it's like, we went to Sutter Sport. You know, I, j- I dressed up like James Beckwith, like the only black person on the list of people to choose from. Uh, and like, there's just, and like, you know, we passed Sutter Sport. We do like a tomato festival there or whatever. And it's just like, I think they're just, in addition to this, like very tar- like focused unity building, Mm-hmm. There is an equal amount of focus that, or not maybe equal, but a substantial amount of focus just to tear down these myths. Because as long as people, like, we can do whatever we do over here to build each other up, but if we're still exalting mm-hmm. this past and these mm-hmm. figures and not, there will be no reckoning with what's happened mm-hmm. and without a reckoning, like what, you know, you mentioned the acknowledgements. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. speak a little bit to that because I hadn't really experienced that until I went to Australia. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, at these events, like these really public events in Sydney and, you know, no matter what it was, like the, you know, the mayor or the kind of CEO, whatever, be like, first things first, we're going to acknowledge like that we're standing on the lands of these people that we like, you know, killed and raped and probably stole their kids and like all this crazy shit. So like, we're just going to, you know, we had not done much about it, but, but we are going to acknowledge it. And I was so blown away just at the power of even, I was like, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine Barack getting up in some place and being like, first things first, we're going to acknowledge like the genocide and fuckery that happened here and Mm -hmm. say that that was wrong and this land belongs to them. And we're going to go about our day. Like even that would seem so like incendiary in -hmm. some way. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, that's what we're up against in this country is like the refusal to even acknowledge what's really happened. And I think that people like you and me are in positions to be like, actually, we're just going to acknowledge it and you're just going to have to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like, gonna to, oh, I was going to say, you're going to have to be uncomfortable for a minute that the land that you stand on was inhibited by people, hundreds of thousands of people who are no longer here because you are. And sit with that for a minute. Um, and the actually, when, of that. Yeah. When Cornell West was here at, at Sac State, um, some one of our tribal people got up and said, hey, no land acknowledgement? Like, what's that about? And he swore from that day forward, he would never go any place without doing a land acknowledgement. And it's for people like that to stand up and say, I won't do anything different than what I've been instructed to do. And to really take that in and feel it and then teach others through that example and That's tell the truth. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, <laughs> Cornel West, I'm sure goes around saying, all I do is tell the truth. It's like, well, if that's what you say you do, then that's what this, then this is what that means. That's mm-hmm. actually, I can, well, you know, without putting myself on the spot, it's like, cause I, for years, I, that was 2015. I went to Australia and I was like, gosh, I wish that would happen here. And like with next city, like we do 
like, you know, when we have formal events, mm -hmm. like there's people who kind of are, who it's really important when we plan something in advance to do that. But I'm like, mm -hmm. it needs to become part of like common practice. This needs to be habitual. Mm -hmm. Not like we're gonna be super woke today and we're gonna acknowledge some native shit. Mm -hmm. It's like every time we go someplace, you should do your research. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know who used to be in downtown LA, but I know I can find out. Like I find out every other fucking thing I wanna know, you know? So that's, I can make that commitment. That's a really good yeah. idea. And it's a very tiny, tiny thing, but relative to what needs to happen, but it's like a million people doing these tiny things. Um, mm -hmm is what's going to like turn this giant wheel in a different direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we just have to start by telling the truth. This is what happened. The, here are the reasons for generational poverty. Here are the reasons, like here is the root cause of crime. Like here are the root causes of ghettos. Here are the root causes of obesity. Here are the root causes of all of these things. Like and substance abuse, all yeah. these things that like yeah. wouldn't be the way they are if it wasn't for these root causes. You know, there's no. always going to be people who struggle, you mm -hmm. know, with themselves, but it doesn't have to be because it's structural, generational, you know, ceaseless, relentless oppression. Diabolical. And like Oppression. when you told me that shit about Mount Rushmore, I was like, God, like that is just so evil. Like yeah. it's not, it's not cute. It's not like for an artistic gesture or to, to like acknowledge these wonderful heroes of American history. It was literally to be like, fuck you guys. We are better than you. Every day you're going to look up at this place you used to pray and see our white faces. And you're just going to have to sit there and take it. Like what yeah. kind of person is like, you got to be so consumed with evil and just kind mm -hmm. of like, and know that's the only way you know how to be in control. Mm -hmm. You can't, but you can't be in control when it's collaborative apparently. No. Well, and it's not unique. I mean, the Lakota struggle is more visible because people recognize um, horse culture Indians more than they recognize California Indians. But it's the whole system with all of the frickin' um, missions. I mean, the missions in California, now people are getting married there. Like, they had whipping posts outside and starvation chambers. It's like, tell the truth. Just tell the truth. And then our story becomes like, look what we have survived. And like, we're really strong people. We're really, despite all of the systems and the barriers that were created uh, to quell our success, here we are succeeding. And I think that says a lot about us. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the fact that we're here having this conversation, despite everything, is a testament to the resilience and strength of our communities. Now, imagine what we could be, well, I would say, imagine how many more of us could be doing it if yeah. there weren't these barriers in place. And so, yeah. well, thank you so much for talking with me, Britta. Is there anything that's kind of coming up for you guys at the center that you want people to know about? I mean, we're in this ceaseless pandemic again so i mean yeah. like you know obviously whatever but you know is there any kind of resources or things you want people to pay attention to or things that are kind of top of mind for you um i don't think so i mean i think we we provide you know um we serve the unseen and the unheard i mean we focus on the native community but everyone is welcome here and so um 
all of their health services, uh, physical, emotional, spiritual. I mean, that's what we, um, that's the focus of what we do. And so um, we're always looking for different ways to do that and welcome folks in. Um, I think putting underserved folks at the center of what we do because we are from this community, um, it's not about being woke. It's about who we are. It's how we move in the world and really recognizing um, what we contribute. I mean, in Sacramento, we have this huge building on J Street. And so there is a lot of presence of Native people here. Um, but definitely there needs to be more. And, you know, I was walking back from the LGBT center right before our meeting. Hey. Yeah, tell, hey. my, tell my boy Carl what's up next time you see me. <laughs> and uh, there was these two little ladies walking in front of me with their masks on. And they're like, what does that sign say? And it says Sacramento Native American Health Center. And they're like, wait a minute. There's Indians in Sacramento. And I'm just like, oh, I have so much work to do. <laughs> Truly. I mean, it's just a good reminder that this, the struggle continues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just be present, be aware. It's not all about you. Like, there are a lot of different people that make up a community, and we have to really focus on caring for each other. Well, Sacramento is so lucky to have you and the center, and I really appreciate you kind of bringing your experiences and uh, perspective to my little teeny tiny uh, platform uh, that hopefully can get people to really start thinking of this stuff the right way and kind of connecting the struggles and communities mm -hmm. that need to be connected for any of this shit to work. So love you. Appreciate you, Britta. Uh, and take care. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. That was great. That was great. <laughs> did you enjoy that? Yes. Fun. I was okay, nervous, great. but I did okay. Oh, you did great. What do you mean? You're if you were nervous, I couldn't tell. Um, I mean, you're a pro. And I just Good. think that so many things you mentioned are like just so critical. And also like, so they're like, they should be straightforward and obvious to everyone. It's like, take care of one another, tell the truth. You know, <laughs> I mean, people, the thing is like, the truth is so hidden. Yeah. You know, it's like people yeah. don't even know, like the fact that I, the fact that you know me and I could be like, I, and I could even say like landmark management should be a thing. And then like, because it's so much more work to go and be like, so everywhere I go, I need to like research like whose thing it is. I mean, that should be an app, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, whose land is this, you mm -hmm. know? Huh, it's not a bad idea, actually. So, I mean, because like, it's, it needs <laughs> yeah. to be like, or Google Maps should have an engineer that actually says like, whose land are we on, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I something mean, I will, that's a, what it's take. Google, yeah. like all the infrastructure around us reinforces the lies. Mm -hmm. It's such an insignificant thing. The research with Google, you know, will take you all of eight minutes maybe. Um, but I think it's the act of actually doing it and then having the courage to say it out loud, um, it's more impactful than you know. I mean, I, it was impactful for me and it wasn't even acknowledging me. You know, because the idea that you could say like, we don't have all the answers in the world right now is not perfect, but mm -hmm. at the very least we're going to like glance in the direction of justice and acknowledgement, I thought mm -hmm. was like just so, it was light years beyond 
America. Like to have a president get up and say, you know, to have an our next tab, Biden, hopefully, I mean, it's crazy that I'm even saying hopefully Biden, but like, that's where we're at in 2020. Like, <laughs> to, get up, to get up there and to go back to Mount Rushmore and be like, here's what actually went down here. And like, you know, we're going to ratify this treaty that's been languishing and we're going to, I mean, just like, just give us something that says we are willing to reckon with what we've done. And I think right. that would mean so much to at least the young people growing up in a country that has the willingness to, to, to be honest about itself. The willingness to be honest about itself and to admit that not every decision that was made was right. Yeah, I mean, that's at the very least. <laughs> not every decision made in America was right. Should not seem controversial, but in this <laughs> Um, well, I've got to run, but I will. Okay. So this, uh, I'll send this to Teddy, and then we'll get this up hopefully by the end of the week if we can. Fantastic! But I really appreciate this, Britta. Thank you so I appreciate much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. 